Welcome to Great Day Ministries Podcast, where we are committed to providing pure gospel, pure faith, and pure truth. Wherever you are listening, we hope that you are truly blessed by this message. Let us uh, begin reading. We're going to start at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Jump down to Jeremiah, then we're going to close out with Ezekiel. I will be reading from the New King James Version, so if you have a different version, a different translation, just read along with me in silence, everyone. Please stand. Continue standing after the three scriptures are read as we petition the throne of grace. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come upon before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. Amen. Let's let's go now to our brother Jeremiah. Amen. We're going to start reading from chapter 6 and verse 16. Amen. Let's stop at verse 23 as we begin reading. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old path where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Also, I set watchmen over you, saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear, you nations, and know, O great day ministries, congregations, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words nor my law, but rejected it. For what purpose to me comes frankincense from Sheba, and sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices are sweet to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will lay a stumbling blocks before this people, and the fathers and the sons together shall fall on them. The neighbors and his friends shall perish. Thus says the Lord, behold, a people come from the north country, and a great nation will be raised from the farthest parts of the earth. They will lay hold on a bow and spear. They are cruel and have no mercy. Their voice roars like the sea, and they ride on horses as men of war set array against you, O daughter of Zion. Amen, amen. Let's go quickly over to, amen, my friend Ezekiel. Amen, my buddy. Amen. My buddy, my pal. Mr. Difficult. Chapter 21. Let's start at verse 18 to 21. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, A son of man appointed for yourself two ways for the sword of the king of Babylon to go. Both of them shall go from the same land. Make a sign. 
put it at the head of the road to the city. Appoint a road for the sword to go to Rabbath, Ammonites, and to Judah, and to the fortified Jerusalem. For the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the road, at the fork of the two roads, to use divination. He shakes the arrow. He consults the images. He looks at the liver. Let's jump down, amen, to verse 23. And it will be to them like a false divination in the eyes of those who have sworn oath with them. But he will bring their iniquities to remembrance that they may be taken. Verse 24, therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have made your iniquity to be remembered and your transgressions are uncovered, so that all you're doing, your doings, your sins appear. Because you have come to remembrance, you shall be taken in hand. May God add a blessing to the reason, to the reading, and to the hearing of the word. Amen. I want to talk to you about the called and the effect. The called and the effect. Bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for, again, providing uh, transportation, of oh, Father God, and providing a habitat, of oh, Father God, that we may come together to lift up our voice, to lift up our hands, to lift up our heads, so oh, Father God, as well as our eyes, to look upon you, oh, Father God, to give praise and to honor and to who you are and all that you've done. Lord, we ask you to allow each and every one to hear, remove the veil from our eyes, oh, Father God, the hardness of our heart, and open our ears, oh, Father God, that we may receive your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And Father, I ask you to allow me to step back as you step forward to present your word with power and boldness, oh, Father. And as God, as you do such a thing, we forever give your name to praise. For the glory only belongs to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a praise. Let's give him a praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The called and the effect. The called and the effect. It's one of the few words, few messages I stumbled with. I had a, a great conversation uh, with uh, Deaconess uh, Nicola driving to Delaware. Amen. Uh, she was not on my adjutant today. She was my chauffeur. God bless her. Amen. Gave me a rest. Um, God shared something upon with her that uh, that was right in line with this message. And I'm like, well, look at God working. You know, all you only can do is smile. And I kind of, it was very difficult when God provoked a thought. For me, I'm not saying for you, but for me to hold my peace. Um, I love to talk about God. And I know what God said, and I know when God says stuff, I, I, I intend to look for it. Because soon it shall come to pass. Um, my wife talked uh, about uh, the young lady, a friend of ours. Um, she's in peace uh, with our father. Amen. At such a young age. And, uh, we don't know when we're going to be called. Um, but we just need to make sure we're at peace. And, and, uh, and that our purpose is fulfilled. Let me say that again. We all want to be in peace. By being in peace, we want to make sure that our purpose is filled. And then she talked about a very good friend of mine whose um, health has transitioned. Amen. Um, 
I uh, immediately start thinking about my mother and others who have, you know, um, who may be sick. I just immediately told my wife, you know, I just when I heard all the news, I said, David, I love you. Sometimes you just got to tell some people that you love them. You don't have to insinuate it. I want you uh, to keep all those things in mind. I'm not talking, uh, this is not necessarily an introduction, uh, just talk. This is, I'm in my message. Because I think a lot of us take free will for granted. Uh, Free will is like life. It's a gift. And with that gift comes responsibility. Uh, I enjoyed the message in Delaware today. But I think that sometimes when you get a gift, sometimes we ignore the responsibility that is attached to it, the cause and the effect. Uh, we, uh, we are a people who still in search for guidance or we wouldn't be here. We are still in search for purpose and path so that we may reach our destination. And we hear that a lot. We hear people constantly talking about, you know, you're going to reach your 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 purpose. You know, everybody wants to get to know their purpose and to fulfill their purpose. And believe me, believe me, everyone does. It's just some of us like to have a little fun and party along the way of getting there. That's just human nature. Um, we want to find some joy in it always. And in the midst of work, life is work. If you didn't know it, if you forgot that we're in the midst of a war, a spiritual war, and because you don't see it visually every day, sometimes we forget that we're in the midst of a spiritual war. And even though you forget it, it affects you. And because sometimes it, out of sight, out of mind, we don't know exactly where it comes from. In other words, we don't see the calls, but we see and feel the effect. I, uh, when you're dealing with free will, you know, you, people are very perplexed about free will. They don't quite get it. Some people like to accuse God of not necessarily giving us free will. Some people deny free will and say, well, you, well, you can't really have it if God knows everything. If he knows the decisions that we're going to make, which still boggles my mind because just because he understands and knows what decisions we're going to make, it doesn't mean that we don't have free will. In other words, if I'm standing here and God lays out 10,000 roles, I have a choice of which one I want to choose. However, either of the 10,000 that I choose, God does know which one I will go down. He didn't manipulate which way I went down. 
He just knew which one I would choose to go down. And then we have this other thing that is really even more perplexing, more complex. It's, it's the called, i.e., in some of our scholars, biblical scholars, the elect. And when you have the elect, well, there's a little bit more manipulation when it comes to the elect. It doesn't remove your free will, but your free will is manipulated. Now, I don't want you to start being concerned and say, well, if God manipulate, that means I don't have free will. That's not true because when you join the military, you, my father will always say, you belong to Uncle Sam. But belonging to Uncle Sam does not mean that you don't have free will. Because Uncle Sam, especially in America, is the land of the free. It's the home of the brave. So we have free will even though Uncle Sam owns us. If we can understand that, I don't understand how that we can call ourselves a child of God and yet neglect the fact that God owns us. And yet we still have free will. You belong to God. Paul constantly said, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That means I am a slave bought with a price. We have an issue with that. And the ones who have the issue, you're going to have to forgive me today. I want to talk not to the sinners who have some issues. I want to talk to the saints who are having some issues today. Saints have issues. We know sinners have issues, and sinners are just trying to find their way, but even when you found your way along your way, you find more issues. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means that in order to get to your destiny, it is the effect of the destination. It's the path that was carved out for you. All things work together, it says, for the good of those who love God. For those who are the call, not call. It didn't say for those who are called. You have to understand there is a difference from those who are called to those who are the called. The call means it's sort of like, let's use Uncle Sam again. Over here, you decided, I want to serve my country gracefully. You go find your recruiter. You sign up. You pick the service branch. God bless you. On this side, it means that you didn't sign up. It means I said, I want you. Because I need you. Your profession. If we are in the midst of a war and we have casualties, I might elect the doctor. Now you work in a general hospital, but I need you to come and serve your country. 
In other words, you signed up, you got drafted. Now, you don't have to come. But over here, if you decided not to sign up, there's no consequences. But if I asked you to come and you don't come, you don't have to, but there are consequences. For those who are called, he said many are called, but there was only a few who have chosen. There's no consequence. But for you who are the called, there's a, more of a purpose behind the necessity that I placed in you. There are consequences. It doesn't eliminate your free will. But you have to understand the difference. When, there, when you are the call, there is the effect. And some of us have got so blindsided with our career that they forget that we're in the midst of a war. And because we're in the midst of a war, you was predestined to fulfill a purpose so that we can get to a particular point, which is the book of Revelation. No matter what, by his will, it will be done. One way or another. So, I read you three verses. The first one I read to you was from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says he took the children of Israel, the nations, and he stood them at a crossroad. And there were several paths in front of them. And he told them, choose the ancient way. He's instructing them, not demanding them, not forcing them. He's telling them, listen. You are at a crossroad. Some of us is at a crossroads. And the decision you make based on the gift that God has given you is not only going to determine your destination, but it's going to determine the path that you have chosen to get to that destination. Meaning, you are making lifetime decisions at one point in your life. It brings me up with my nephew and I remember, again, I shared that with you maybe a couple of weeks ago, playing basketball, or maybe I was in Bible study. I don't know. We was playing basketball in the driveway. And um, his, my sister told me that he started smoking weed, and I had a conversation with him. And that conversation got a little bit heated because he's trying to tell me to, about the Bible. Uncle Dickinson, I know the Bible, too. It's amazing how everybody who don't go to church, who don't know God, know God better than you and know the Bible better than you. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I'm sitting there listening. I got so frustrated. I'm like, you know what? Go ahead and do. And I went to visit him, and you wouldn't believe the condition he's living. But that one day affected his decision. That one moment affected his future. And now he's standing on a porch with me uh, just a month ago saying, how long are you going to be in town? And I told him, he says, uh, I go to rehab only if you take me. Uh, I'm not going to have time. I said, but just, just hold on. His wife was so embarrassed. It's the same girl who jumped in the conversation when he was playing basketball. And I don't know what she's on, but she's on something much stronger than him. But I remember you was defending him on the basketball court. And now you can't look me in the face. It's so amazing that you come to a crossroads. 
And you was instructed to choose a particular path. We know you have free will. But it's always looking down several rows in front of us. And it's always the one that seems to be more of attractive. But God say, I know the lights are bright down that way. I know that the smell is, is aroma is beautiful down that row. But if you want, what he told Jeremiah, he said, if you want peace, if you want to prosperous, choose this way. And but yet, with our free will, especially with the elect, we challenge the instructions of God. And all thy ways acknowledge me. And I will direct thy path. That doesn't mean he's taking your free will. He's saying, you are lost. Just trust my voice, and I will lead you to where you, you, not me, but you really want to go. But you got to trust me. That word trust, faith. We talk about we have faith, but at the same time, we want to do what we want to do. Let me give you a really quick example before I talk to you about my boy Ezekiel. Take Jonah, for instance. Jonah was God's prophet. If you read in the book of Isaiah, read the book of 1 Kings, he was prophesied. He was helping nations before we even know about the personal life of Jonah. God comes to Jonah and tells Jonah, I want you to go down to Nineveh. I see and I hear the wickedness in that great city. And I want you to bring a word to them. Now, Jonah, if you read about Jonah's actions in Kings, if you read about the situation or interaction between Nineveh and Judah, you will probably ask yourself, why would God ask Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach a word? to get them to repent when Jonah lived through the, the atrocity that Nineveh put upon Judah. Why would you think God would have, knowing how Jonah feel about the Ninevites? I read Ezekiel, my boy Ezekiel. Ezekiel goes and he says there's going to be the king of Babylon. Two swords will be placed in front of him. And the swords will create a fork. And even though he was, had three choices, God said, I will limit the king's choices to two. Watch this. When the sword falls, it will dictate by his own divination, his own pagan manner, superstition, it's going to determine which way of the sword he goes. God already helped him through thought eliminate the one. Now he's stuck with two. If you catch Jeremiah, Jeremiah's telling Israel, you have been wicked. In my eyes, you have fell 
to follow my commandments. You have not done what I asked you to do. I asked you to do this, but you chose to do that. I asked you to go here. You chose to go there. Choose now the ancient path. Now watch this. At the same time that the prophet is speaking to the children of Israel, telling them, choose a path. God is dropping swords in from the Babylon king in Israel, and he's telling them, you have made a covenant with this king. Oh, get this, get this. Simultaneously, God is in heaven saying, depending on your decision over here, it's going to affect what I have him do over there. Same time. I've called you to do a certain task, but whatever your decision here, it's going to affect my decision over here. Your decision carries the weight of hundreds and thousands of people. And you think, I just go to a great day, that little church down and not. No, there's a purpose that's a tie to you. Watch this. Let me give you a quick, very quick example. You go to Wawa. You're inside of Wawa. You, you, exp, you see somebody, face, expression. God's give you a word. Tells you about a person you never met. God tells you to go over and say something to them. You go over and say something to them. You develop a relationship, a friendship. Y'all talk, get a word, pass, pass down a number, you go home. Later on in that life, you speak to this person, and all of a sudden, you led that person to Christ. But now this particular person has a much greater influence because of the job that they have or the people that they have. And because of your word to them, they begin to spread that word to those particular people. And out of those people that are spread, one of them person actually became the president or a governor or something. My point on the matter is if you never was obedient to Wawa, generations down the road would be affected because you didn't act one decision. And you don't even know the person. You had no idea that now you're 80 years old and you're looking at the news. Had no idea that this is this woman, great, great, great nephew. It's none of your business. You are just supposed to do what I ask you to do. But the call affected this situation. And your disobedience would affect my decision. And let me make it a little bit better. You don't think God's just going to put, if you're the call, just so much ease like you do those who just sign up. No. No, it wasn't just because he chose Jonah. It was the fact that Jonah had an anointing. Who was the other prophets? Why he just sent someone else? Don't you know that you was you were predestined for a call? Earlier today, um, the word came for Esther, and the minister said Esther was so beautiful. As soon as she was walking down, this is scripture, she was walking down the aisle to be presented to the king as one of his brides. The Bible said when he saw Esther, he stood up. And he was amazed at her beauty. And he stood, and when she began to speak to him, the Bible said he was blown away by her wisdom and told her, ask whatever you will. I will give you half the kingdom. 
y'all know me. Y'all got to please forgive me. I'm at home, so y'all don't like what I say. I'm sorry, but I'm at home. It wasn't her beauty nor her booty. It wasn't. The anointing is attractive. Men has it. Oh, I know if y'all forget. R. Kelly has it. He abused his anointing. If you listen to him, he sounds like a minister, but he chose to go this way. If you listen to him sing, you can feel it. And he's not singing gospel. The gift and calling of God is irrevocable. Once God gives it to you, he won't take it back. But he expects for you to fulfill the purpose of you receiving that gift. You may enjoy it because Satan cannot take your calling. He cannot take your gift. He cannot take your anointing. He can't take it and use it for his own good. It's not, listen, God himself can't take it. It's without repentance. He can give it. He sees you not use it, wants to join in, want to use it right. He can't say, well, forget it. I'll take it back from her and i give it. He, won't, he can't do that. The only one can use the gift that was given to you is you. So what Satan does is say, hey, Richard, how much would it cost to buy you? I can't buy your gift, but if I buy you, then if I own you, then I can tell you what to do with your gift. And if Richard in the circumstance, all Satan does is watch Richard. Richard, I love the Lord. I'm hastened to his throne. And as soon as Roxanne ticked Richard off and he's at a low moment, that's when I decide, hey, remember that offer? He always wait till you at your lowest point before he make you an offer that you think you can't refuse. We all go through our tests and our challenges. It's the word that puts the shield over us. It's the relationship you have with God, not with your spouse, not with your mother, not with your father. It's the relationship you have with God that determines your destiny. Because you make a decision based off of God, not your woman, not your man, not your job, if you're called. But if you're the called, you're Jonah. What are you talking about? Jonah heard God tells him, go to Nineveh. Jonah is thinking probably, I don't know, this is Dexter in my mind. Are you serious? You want me? to go repent to them. I know my gift. I know if I go down there with the anointing that I have, it's going to attract those people. And if it attract those people, they're going to repent. And if they repent, I know you are gracious God. You're going to forgive them. And old wicked people, the stuff that they've done, you're going to blot it into forgetfulness. I want them to suffer. How many of you that God have told you to go and minister to, but you won't because you don't like them? How many times God has instructed you to make a phone call or send a text to somebody who you know don't like you, 
but you were supposed to send them an encouraging word. And how many of you know that God is in heaven looking down, testing to see how obedient or disobedient you will be? How many of you turn left when you should have made a right? Because you know that God has something. Oh, how many of you turn right hoping that it doesn't affect those people? Jonah goes down to Tarshish instead of heading towards Nineveh. He finds a boat that's heading out to Tarshish, and he pays his fare. And this is Jonah. Listen. He goes immediately all the way down to the bottom of the boat and go to sleep. Folks, don't take this for granted. Don't, don't misunderstand the story. And let's not beat up old Jonah because we we're, we're Jonas. Whenever God instructs you to do something and you know that you're being disobedient, it just takes the energy right out of you. Sometimes, sometimes we, we, we go, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what I'm going through. I just feel, what is it? What's wrong? I don't know. I feel depressed. What's wrong? Nothing. You in good health? Mm-hmm. Job? Mm-hmm. Building? Mm-hmm. What's wrong? I don't know. So what do you do? Just going to go to sleep. I know I'm not the only one. You don't want to do what you feel you need to do, so you do nothing. Just go to sleep. Watch this. The boat sails. And as the boat sails, God sends a temperance wind and starts rocking that boat. Everybody on the boat is panicking. But Jonah, sleeping like a baby. Everybody on the boat start praying to their God. But the wind is still blowing. The water is still raging. They get to a point, watch this, they begin to throw cargo over. Translation. You see, when you are disobedient, you don't just affect you. When you're not doing what God tells you to do, all of a sudden things ain't working out at your job. You're trying to figure it out. You know, like, things was going well. Ain't nothing really changed. But all of a sudden, things at the job ain't what it used to be. You affect. Your anointing is powerful. It affects your family, your neighborhood. All of a sudden, your friends start acting funny. And they don't know what's going on in their life. So guess what? People who are not the call, people who are not God, they start getting real of things, trying to straighten things out. What's wrong with you? I just, I broke up with him. I don't know. It's just, man, girl, I'm just going through so much right now. She think it's a boyfriend. But it's you. People on a job, I, just, I don't know, I just want to, you know, this time she's make me sick, you know. The boss is on a rampage, she's doing this. And you ain't got nothing, you just got to work. But it's you. And they, they're smarter than we are. They start cutting people out. Some of them just, I'm going to fast. 
getting off of Facebook, doing all this, and nothing is working. And you sitting there listening to them because they know you're a saint. You don't say nothing because you're too embarrassed to admit that you was disobedient to God. And we know it. They know you go to church. You're a church person. They even came to you for advice. But when we mess up, we hide it. Because we don't want to be embarrassed. But we don't realize why we're hiding it and not being obedient. It's affecting other people and other things and other situations. They threw stuff away. They started praying to their God. Nothing happened. Then all of a sudden, they said, listen, we got to find out what's wrong. So your boss calls a meeting. Now all y'all in the conference room. And you're trying to figure out what it is. And the boss starts talking about the company. And while he's talking about the company, you're sitting there with your head down, not listening to the boss, thinking, I should have did what God asked me to do. And not even realizing that what the boss is talking about is related to this. Your disobedience, God said, I'll destroy the whole company for you. I'll shut it. Remember that? Close it up and shut it down. Why? Choose the right path. (laughs) He's the love of my life. I'll bring him back. You should choose the right path. You love him more than me, I'm going to take him so you can fall in love with me. Choose the right path. Yes, he will. It's about him. You forget that all things. We say it until we begin to feel the effect from it. We'll say it. We know that all things. No weapon for As soon as the weapon comes, oh, God. Oh, them saints get scared. From a weapon that ain't no one affect them, but all of a sudden, oh, God. Jonah's down there, see? He go down there and say, hey, listen, man, we all upstairs. The Bible said he was about to tear the boat up. That's what the scripture said. I didn't read it. The boat was about to be ripped in part. Do you know what that means? The boat was the vessel that was taking them to where they wanted to go. The very thing that's taking you to where you want to go, God said, I'll destroy it. Well, I thank God I got this promotion. I'm going to buy this house. You want to get to that house? Yeah, but I'll destroy the boat that's going to get you there. What? The job. Whatever it is that you think is going to get you over here, when I sent you over there, I destroy it. I don't have to destroy it if you listen to me. But if you don't listen to me, I'll break it to pieces. Slowly but surely. They call him, hey, listen, everybody's upstairs. On the deck, they're praying to their God. They're throwing stuff over. Can you pray to your God? Jonah didn't even pray. He, what is he going to pray for? He already know that. You know, God's upset with me. He get upstairs, and, 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 and they think that he prayed. Nothing changed. So they go to the old superstition, just like King Nebuchadnezzar. They take lots, throw it down. Even in superstition, God manipulate the knot, and the lot falls on Jonah. And everybody on the ship looks at him. What do you do? Who are you? Who you work for? What's going on? Jonah didn't even say, hey, I'm a prophet of God. I'm this, and I was supposed to do that. Jonah said, I'm a man of God. 
That's all he says. And they knew then, you a man of God, even a sinner know, folks, watch this. When you are a child of God and you try to go with other people who you used to be friends with, who you think you still are, that God called you from, they already know you shouldn't be in this club. You don't even know it. You feel funny. They don't even, you go, yeah, my friends starting to act. They're not acting funny. They're saying, mm. he ain't the same. No, we used to get down together. We, what's wrong? Why y'all acting funny? We ain't acting funny. You acting funny. Do you think they acting funny? They looking at you. You ain't yourself. You will never be the same person once you come in contact with Christ. You can't be. And even when you don't see, when Moses came off the mountain, people was running. Moses was like, what are they running from? You know, Joshua, he had to go get him and say, yo, do you see your face? Moses, to get the people to come around everywhere he went, they scattered. So Moses had to put a veil over his face just to talk to people. He had to hide his anointing. Your anointing is so strong. It affects people around you, especially if you use it in the appropriate way. Yeah. See, R. Kelly was not supposed to sleep with the girls. He's supposed to evangelize them. The woman who came to him was people in need, and he took advantage of them. You got people who on the 800 number actually have a gift, but they take advantage of people who is looking for guidance. God gave you the gift to sing. Now you're cursing and you're ratchet. Ain't nothing wrong with singing love song. I love Anita Baker. You know, we slow dancing Anita Baker. Some of the stuff you say, you entice other minds. You were supposed to minister to song to bring people to repentance. But you minister to song to cause people. And they're going to follow you. Beyonce started singing in church. Now they want to make her a god. But not the same God. Not serving the same way. You can't take her anointing away. You can't. But if he owns her, he owns the gift that God gave her. He comes up to his watches. Jonah goes, listen, just throw me overboard. They say, you just said you a man of God? Yeah. And then you want us to kill you? Not. What do they start doing? They start throwing more things over. They start praying. They start doing all this stuff. And the water just got harder. The wind started blowing more. Everything, the wind, everything just became crazy. And, they, and they, these are the people who don't serve his God, begin to pray to his God and say, hey, listen, don't hold this against us that I have to fire this person. Oh, I have to take their car. There's something about this person. I got to leave her alone. It's not you. It's me. God would tell a sinner, touch not my anointed, or I'll touch you. 
And they'll come to you, no, babe, you know, it's just like I ain't feeling you like I used to. He don't even know. You know, I had this dream last night. (laughs) Or, you know, I was thinking, why? Leave her alone. Leave him alone. He would tear your friendship down, your family, your brothers and sisters, you know, get mad at you. He would isolate you and put you in the wilderness until you succumb to my will. No, they, they, they wouldn't throw John on it, but then they begin to pray and nothing changed. Things got even worse. And God said, hey, I want y'all to understand, we're getting close to tearing this ship apart. And they said, well, listen, just forgive us, Lord, because we don't want to kill him. Because then if we kill him, you're really going to kill us because he's a man of God. Okay, everybody, throw him over. And they throw you over. Just about everybody here got thrown overboard by a friend, a family, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a job. They threw you overboard. Why? Because you was running. But you couldn't hide. He threw them overboard. You have this inclination that Jonah got ate up. He sat there inside of this big old fish. He's thinking. Man, he got a big old tongue. Look at these dead fish. Bottles. Okay, God, I'm sorry. Folks, it didn't happen like that. Read the scripture. Read the prayer. Jonah said, I'm in my grave in the midst of Hades. Hell, he said, bars. What bars? There's no bars inside of a ship. He described hell. He wasn't eating up, sat there, started thinking, and started praying. Jonah died. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Why do you think God said the only sign you're going to have is the sign of Jonah? What was the sign of Jonah? He died, went to hell, in three days, what happened? Same thing Jesus did. That's why he said it's the only sign you're going to get. You thought it was just a great fish, and he fell asleep in there, too, and started talking to God. I know y'all did. I know. That's what the devil wants y'all to think. And you know why he wants y'all to think that? Because he wants you to think it's a fairy tale. No, he know ain't nobody going to live in no fish. You're right. He did. His body was there. When he first tells the story, he talks about his body, how it was in Clampton. And he said how the breath came out. If the breath came out of you, you're dead. Then he went from that, from the body, he started talking about his soul. Then he started talking to God how righteous God is. Now he's ready to do what God told him to do. God brings him back up, resurrect him to a point that it spit him right to the ground. And the Bible says that, hey, think about it if you get delivered from hell. He did a three days journey in a day. That brother was running. I bet you when God bring y'all out of this pit, I ain't going to have to have no more leadership meetings. Oh, y'all don't get one. They, 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 they missed that. You, I heard that laugh. You, me and you here. If you do what God called you to do, you don't have to worry about what you've been praying for. He knows everything you need. He promised he'll never leave you. The problem is you left him. 
He promises to supply all your needs. He's a God, not a man. He won't lie. If he said it, you can believe it. But you have to understand, I have a responsibility that I got to fulfill. And I need you to get from here to there. And if you do this, I got to do that. And when I do that, it's going to affect other people. It's the cause and the effect. Jonah start running. He gets down to Nineveh. He start talking to the Ninevites. He's preaching like he's preaching for his life. Well, literally he was. When you start working in the church, working for God, like what? Like it's your life? Well, you know, it, it's, it's not that deep. Yeah, I know, I know. Until you get that deep. When you get that deep and you got to come up out of that pit, oh, it's, it, it, it becomes deep then. Uh, you know what? I don't need all that hollering. The church, you know, that church don't need to be shouting like, you ain't live my life. How are you going to tell me how to give God a praise? So you go to the doctor and they tell you, well, we gave you the pills and, you know, now your headache is gone and your migraine and you go, thank you, doctor. And you, you, you in hospice and you about to die and all of a sudden they don't know what happened. You don't say thank you, doctor. You go, oh, my God, hallelujah. The deeper the hole, the greater the praise. So you don't sit there and go, well, damn, we don't need all that. You don't live their life. Don't tell that person how to pray. What you do is get out of the way and say, praise him, girl. Praise him. I don't know what you went through, but God did something. Praise him. That's what you're supposed to do. Just, just hallelujah. And in fact, whatever you're going through, she going to give praise him for me too, baby. My legs hurt. Praise him for me too. Everybody wants to dictate. How are you supposed to give God a praise, but nobody want to go through the hell that he just delivered you from? If he delivered you from hell, you should take a praise break right now. You should give God some praise. some God you are. Hallelujah. Hey. Thank you, God. This just to make the devil mad. That's all we doing. We just making the devil mad. We ain't been delivered yet, but I praise you. Hit them all, Grosso. Shit of my casa. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Hey. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. All right, all right. Sit back down. That was a little break. I'm almost done. Yeah, I'm almost done. Thank you for the praise, pray God. I hope y'all, I feel better. I don't know about you. It ain't nothing like praising God. Remember I was talking about that pit last week? Oh, come on, y'all. See, when you're in a pit and you cry, now you're having a pity. <laughs> but when you're in a pit and you're praising, oh, my God. Hit them more kosher. Can you imagine your enemy stand up and looking down and saying, I got you now, you down there in the pit? He's like, what's wrong with you? You looking at me where I'm at right now, but sooner or later, I know my God. You looking at me now? Oh, don't, don't look down at me now because I'm coming out of this pit. Hey! Hit him, Uncle, so shit him, my casa. What an awesome God you are.
today. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hey. My God, my God, my God. Hey, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Okay, okay. We, we were done. We just made the devil mad. That's all we did. We just, we made him mad. Yes, we did. We just made him mad. Because he got some of us. He, he thinks he does. Oh, we got to look at the devil. Tell the devil you've been tricked. You've been tricked again. Because all things. <laughs> oh, my God. You got to tell him that you've been all things. All you doing is doing what God, all things works together. Listen, Jonah, Jonah preached to the Ninevites. The Ninevites begin to receive God. The enemy of God's people repented. The enemy of God's people repented. Your enemies who did you wrong, they must apologize. They may not go through the traditional Western way, baby, I'm sorry, but they're going to have to perform a apologetic action. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. They may not understand, and they may, they're so proud that they can't come to you in the face and say, I'm sorry, but their actions must be apologetic. They have to repent for the wrong that they've done you. And while they're repenting, that's the, of the cult, the effect is you got to repent to God simultaneously to ward off the effect you got to tell God, God, I'm sorry. I want to go where you want me to go. He doesn't care if you want to be a doctor. He doesn't. You can be a doctor. Just do not put doctors or medicine before my call. It doesn't matter. People tell me, I want to be a part of this ministry. You don't get it. I understand. This is... Great Day Ministries, Church of God in Christ Jesus. It's not an organization. It's an organism. It, because it's an organism, some of your organs don't fit. Why can't I build it? You don't get it. You have to be born again. You can come to church. You can do different services but you ain't going to never be in ministries? No. I know churches have done it, but they're not a part of the organi organism. They're just part of the organization. Come on, man. What, what do you expect for us to do? You live any kind of way and do whatever you want to do and then come to church and do? No. That's what got church mixed up right now. They hear you up there talking and seeing what you're doing. They don't want to hear nothing to do it. They hear it, they're talking, then you won't speak to them because something, that, something happened between you and them. How can you preach the word of God, and the word of God is about good news, it's about forgiveness, but you won't speak to the person who hurt you? 
you should speak to them. And even if they don't speak back, good morning, Deacon. Good morning, Lachelle. She turned her head. God, I did my job. Deal with her. And God will put her in a position that she's going to have to do an apologetic gesture. She may not never come in my face, but she will repent. That's God, folks. You are a child of God. I don't care. I'm talking friendship, but it can be your mother. It can be your grandmother. It can be your son. It can be your daughter. It can be your wife. It can be your husband. It could be your best friend, but they will perform an apologetic gesture. Why? Because every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. What are you talking about? Why? They never get their life to God. They don't have to. But touch not my anointing. Meaning, if you have God's anointing, even when they don't want to submit, they will. They will. You will find out about it later, or you will admit about it, or it might happen in their heart. But it will happen because God is God. That's why you have to make sure that you're an ambassador representing properly. What do you mean me representing properly? You know why I don't have no sticker say clergy on my car? Because sometimes I lose my mind when I'm going down 295. Just tell the truth and shame the devil. Somebody do something stupid and you be like, what the? you know, an expression on my face does not look clergy. Ain't nothing going to come out of my mouth wrong, but I tell you, I wear my thoughts in my face sometimes. And don't let them give me a finger. Sometimes I might lose my mind. I ain't going to say it, but I just. And get mad. Then I have to ask God, Lord, forgive me. I did not represent you. But I ain't got no clergy stickers. And I ain't got this, so they don't really know who I am. Tell the truth. Some of us who do know who we are, you embarrass God. And you got to repent. You can't do certain actions. Even when people do certain actions to you, you have to let it go and let God. Let him handle it. If you're a child of God and you're trying to handle it, what, you have no faith? You think about it. If you're trying to handle it, then that means you're not letting God handle it. And he said, vengeance is who? Yours? No, it's mine. So what he's telling you to do, just go on and do what I told you to do. Don't worry about sister over here because I'm going to deal with sister. And I'm going to make her apologetically, in some type of way, apologize. If they're in the wrong. If you're in the wrong, you have to immediately do what Jonah did. You need to make what you felt I do it Saturday. <laughs> well, when I see her next Sunday, I'll talk to her. No, you don't. Call her now. You have to be immediately. What does the song say? I hasten. Hurry up. And show God, if I want God to hasten to my prayer request, I need to hasten to my repentance. I need to hasten to, to apologize and have no leave. People are dying young. See, young people sit around and think, well, you know, I'm growing old like, like, like death is attached to age or gender. Like cancer is attached. My, my, one of my best friends in school, when we graduated, we graduated at 22, 23 years old. She died at 31 of cancer. Come on, y'all. We ain't got time to be having pity parties and talking about people and holding grudges. We saints of God. We apologize. 
I went to Florida. My brother knew he was stealing my money and my, and my mom's money. If this on Facebook, shh, good. I hope he's on Facebook so he can see it. I knew you were stealing it. You're going to say you open an account. I'm the one who opened a door account with my mom. I've been having an account in my phone for the last 20 years. That's my account. Dude, seriously, it's the same numbers. Look, I've been putting money in that account every month. That means you're stealing my money too. But what did I do when I went to Florida? He knew I was in Florida. I was in the back talking to the nurse. The kids came around and say, Uncle Ray's here. I'm still talking to the doctor. I'm sorry, I'm not going to just talking to the doctor. As soon as I get around there, oh, the brother there, where's Spoil? Oh, he left. They went and told Spoil, Uncle Dexter is here. Uncle Dexter's here. I got the phone. I called him. I texted him. Hey, I said, come on, man, let's go out to eat. Bought him dinner. Ain't got to apologize. Oh, yeah, I took my mom doing this. Ain't got to apologize. I don't need it. I'm blessed. See, you can't, work, you can't bring up stuff that God said, leave these ways behind. You don't need, I don't need to bring up what you did. God's going to deal with you. I got to show you what a, a, an ambassador of God's heart will do. Took you out, told him I love him, gave him something a little bit, said, can just get mama something. Oh, no, you go ahead and give it to Beverly. He ain't want it. Okay, I gave him money to Beverly. Go, go buy mama some stuff that she needs. Just let him know. I'm giving you a second chance with the money. I told him, I said, I'm putting everything back down in Florida because you guys are down here. Your mom is not doing so well. There's no need for them to keep calling me 2,000 miles away. He didn't say nothing. But I said, watch this. But I expect for you guys to work together and you do the right thing for mom. You see? In my heart, my heart is beating like, you, you, you take my money. Uh, you know, in my heart. But God said, hey, let go and let me, y'all. Come on, y'all. That's what you got to do. You got you to put on that happy face and be a child of God because you represent him. And when every time they see you, in the church, at work, at home, in the streets, at Walmart, at Wawa, you are always a child of God. And you must represent that way. We know we make mistakes. My sister, I told you, what she said to my mom, I grabbed her and I told her, said again. Last year, this time I took her, we went to visit, we went out to eat. She said, you kept your word. You told me the next time you come down, you're going to buy me dinner. I bought a little something else and stuff. Letting my sister know. And watch this. Now, she, she, unlike my brother, she said, well, you know what happened last week? I was just angry. I said, it's, it's fine. And I, well, I'm apologizing. I said, you apologized last year. See, either one, one way or the other, they're going to apologize. If you're in the wrong. If you're in the right, they will. If you're in the wrong, you better go do it. Folks, we are at a crossroads. And we all have free will. And we have to make sure that the decision that we make is godly. You will reap if you faint not. Don't worry about the things that you want. If you want God to do it, do what he asks you to do first. Seek ye the kingdom first. Do what God asks you to do first. This is not a church plea. 
we all want a shift. Everybody wants a shift. We want a, a positive shift. Then take care of my business, and I'll take care of yours. That's all he's telling us. And if we serve God and we, know, we love God, we got to believe what he says. I know it's not easy because we're used to being people in control. But we're going to trust God. He's going to handle our circumstances and our situations. Just remember, the call has an effect. You must fulfill that call to avoid negative effects. But fulfilling the call and the purpose, it will get you a positive effect. There's always an effect with the call. There's always an effect. And if you don't do it, finally, he's going to find a way to do it. Well, you know, I would be there, man, but, you know, I work on Sunday. Don't be surprised if you lose that job, not use your shift. He may start off with the shift, but you might lose the job. You better show God, hey, I can handle this and this. If you can't handle this and this, I take this away so you can do that. You make sure you do what I ask you to do. You made the promise. Most of you in here. If you're not saved, I can ask you to stand up. And some of you who probably are not, be afraid to stand up. So that means the majority of you in here are saints. Don't worry about the finances. You got to go in the pit before you get to the palace. Don't worry about your finances. I mean, I'm going through it right now. So what? We all going through it. Why? Transition year. It's a transition year. You don't transition forever. There's a but in the middle. There's an and in the middle, but there's something comes after it. This ain't nothing but a but year. This is an and year. This is a therefore year. Don't worry about it. Just don't lose faith. That's why I say if you faint not, don't give up trying to fix something. Get away from what God has called you to do. All of a sudden, you question it. You don't believe it. No, stick with what God called you to do. And you'll get to that what's beyond the therefore and the ands and the buts. Trust God. Believe in God. And remember, keep on that happy face. Keep that happy face. Not a fake face. People know when you're fake smiling. How do you, well, Pastor, how do you go through what I'm going through and have a genuine smile? Trust God. The deeper the pit, the bigger the palace. And I told y'all, the deeper you go, the bigger it is. And I believe it. I know, you know, some of my enemies, some of your enemies is looking at you and saying, yeah, I told you. You think God is going to allow them to get the last word? Seriously, folks, seriously. Now, if you're doing it right, if you're not, then you fix some things. But if you are, there's no way he'll allow your enemy to get the last word. He won't. Trust me on that. He won't. Your enemies want to think that you're in demise, you're in de de demise territory. You're not in demise because you're going through something. Every saint in the Bible went through something. How did they end up? A child of God always ends up on top. And on top may not be financially, but it'd be peaceful. That's what he promised you. He promised you peace. That's true prosperity. Bills are paid. Okay, I ain't got a million dollars in the bank or 500000 but I'm happy. Lovely wife, lovely kids, lovely home, bills are paid, going to travel. Hey, that's all I ever need. And how much you making? $15 an hour. It's okay. $10 an hour. It's okay. That's all that matters. Remember, folks, you're called. 
And remember, there's an effect to it. And let God have his way. So every time there's a call, there is an effect. And you affect everything around you. Your friends, your boyfriends, your job, your house. When that thing is not running right, everything else is going to go wrong. When that is going right, everything else is going to get right. You fix the situation with the call, it'll change the effect. I'm telling you. You ain't got to even worry about that over there. Just worry about that over here. He's sitting there looking at you like this. I mean, you do it, I do it. Remember I used to say that? You know, remember, you know, when I move, you move. Just like that. Remember I used to say that? That's why I say, when God move, you move. But this is just the opposite. God is saying, when you move, I move. I'm watching you. If you do what I tell you to do, then I'll touch this. You, you controlling it now. This is the transition. Come on, stand on your feet. You can stand exactly where you are. You don't have to come to the altar. We're going to have an altar call in your seat. Some of us had already reached on the other side, and we're feeling really good right now. And they said, well, that message wasn't for me. That's okay. That's good. You should give God a praise because it wasn't. And then to some of us who haven't even gotten to the transition, we're still spelling out the sentences on this side and hoping we get to that transition so that we can see some type of light at the end of that tunnel. I don't know who you are. I'm going to ask you to stand right in your seat, but I want you to get that circumstance and situation in your mind. But I want you to do something so different today. I want you to give it to God. Now, how do we do that? I want you to just spiritually and mentally envision it and then take your hands off of it. I want you to be able to see your hands. I don't care how big the situation is, your hands are bigger. I don't care how big the circumstances, your, your hands are bigger than the circumstance. And I want you to envision your hands holding that situation or that circumstance or that person. And I want you to just take your hands off of it. It might be floating. It might fall to the ground and you just might be able to see it or whatever situation. Just take your hands off of it. And I don't want you to ask God, God, you do it. Nope. I want you to say, God, what do you want me to do for you? Next week is we're supposed to be taking care of our brick situation, hoping that everyone is working hard, trying to get our fundraiser. I don't know. We're having our baptism. That wasn't announced uh, unless I missed it. We are... Must do God's work. When you remove your hands from that person, that circumstance, or that situation, do not ask God to handle it. Just ask God, what is it that you want me to do for you? Because I'm telling you that God has already said if you do what he wants you to do for him, he's going to handle whatever you had in your hand. You don't even have to ask him. Work for God. Try him, he says, and see what I will do. For some of you, you say, I'll pour out, I'll open the windows of heaven. Just do God. Bow your heads with me while you still have that in your mind. God, you're an awesome God. You're worthy to be praised.
I thank you for your grace, all those things that you have given me that I truly did not deserve. All the things that you have given us, God, everyone in this room that we did not deserve. And God, I thank you for your mercy, Lord. Oh, God, and you held back some things we did deserve. And I thank you for that. We bless your name today, God. We thank you for allowing us to travel the dangerous highways, Lord. God, we know that there's death all around us and sickness all around us and poverty all around us. But God, you have brought us to this place and we feel your blessing and we say thank you today. We bless your name. And God, you, you saw what was in our minds, Lord, and you saw the face, you saw the circumstance, you saw the situation, God, and God, I'm, we're going to trust your word. We're going to step away from that, and we're going to walk towards what you desire for us to do. And God, we want to do it exceedingly, Lord. We want to go beyond what you've even asked of us to show you that we appreciate your grace and your mercy. Bless every ear, O oh God, who hears your word, and bless every heart that receives it, O oh God. And bless every mind that has a desire to complete the task and purpose that you have called us out to do. And God, you do such a thing that we forever give your name the praise. Because the glory and honor only belongs to you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. God bless you.